look, you already have that spirituality in you. So just transfer that into this. It's all the same thing. What I'm doing right now, and what we're doing right now, we're just transferring like what I hold in my heart and it's going through internet and people are hopefully feeling it, you know? And that was the game changer for me, just understanding and just like bringing that type of awareness that, you know, that intention it can be put into social media too and can become a conscious thing. This is Louisa Florence Black. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired. I am your host, Xenia, and this week my guest is Luisa Florence Black. She's an award-winning Brazilian host and journalist who has collaborated with many channels and publications like NBC, HBO, New York Times, and Los Angeles Times. She's also a mother herbalist and moon ceremonialist. And I met Luisa because she was in the previous conscious social media program that I lead for conscious entrepreneurs, healers, and coaches to get to the bottom of how you want to use social media as a manifestation tool and coming up with a strategy that is aligned with the lifestyle and the business that you want to create to really take out all the mystery out of social media and digital marketing and building your brand and doing it in a way that feels aligned with your spiritual path, your path as a human being that's always evolving and all other aspects of you. I've gotten to meet some incredible people through the program and Right now, I am not planning a live program yet, but that might be changing soon. I'm currently in the process of re-architecting all my offerings to make sure that I'm really delivering the things that move the needle for you, and there's lots of exciting things coming up. So if you want to hear when the next offerings are coming up, go to wokenwired.com and sign up for the email newsletter, or you can also go to wokenwire.com slash challenge, and that will lead you to the five-day conscious social media challenge that will be a great step, whether you've done some of my programs before or not, but it really hits the refresh button for you to return to why you are online and to make sure that you are spending your time effectively, whether that's Instagram or TikTok. I know there's lots of changes happening in the platform, Lots of us aren't feeling as excited about Instagram and maybe it feels like a chore and it's not a problem. It's just an invitation to make sure that anytime you do invest time and energy and maybe money into creating content that it really contributes to your bottom line. That's really the intention for all my upcoming offerings. So when Louisa was in the Conscious Social Media Program, she was our 
oracle because on every call she would bring one of her medicine cards and read the intuitive message that would come through. And she has this very motherly healing presence about her that is really deep and her story is so fascinating. She is a fellow ambitious immigrant and she also is a fellow journalist. And in this episode, we talk about permaculture, herbalism, growing up in Brazil and being impacted by her healer grandmother, the practices that Louisa turns to to feel grounded, overcoming fear of spirituality, her struggle to find the truth about her health and then finding out that she has Hashimoto's disease and how that became her pathway to spirituality, how yoga chanting and visualization led to miraculous healing, what happens in moon ceremonies, and losing her home to Malibu fires, and also losing her Instagram account with 200,000 followers, and what she did next. I think a lot of Louisa's story is really an invitation to come back to the roots without being so attached to the outer layer of how our gifts and our personalities are expressed in the world, and just trusting the divine and that we're always guided and that we always meet the right people along the way. And I love this conversation. I'm just so excited to share it with you. If you're moved by any part of this conversation, please share it on Instagram and tag at WokenWired. And I'd be happy to reshare it so that more people see it. And also leave a rating and a review to WokenWired on iTunes if you haven't already done it. It should take you only about a minute or so and it really helps me stay motivated to keep creating this podcast, but it also helps other people discover the potent messages that my guests and myself are sharing in this podcast. All right, Louisa, I'm so excited to have you on Woke and Wired. We met through Instagram, and then you were part of the Conscious Social Media program in winter of 2020, and you brought such special, motherly, earthy presence to the group, and at the end of most calls, you would pick a card from one of your decks and share an oracle for the week, and (laughs) you did so for this call too, and it's crazy what came up. Yeah, so, well, thank you for having me. The program was life-changing and sharing the card again it's a collaborative dreaming which always gives me goosebumps every time I pull a card so I guess that's what we're doing now collaborative dreaming yeah I loved what it said about being part of a new creative program for humanity the learning program is taking place at a spiritual level yeah and I was actually finishing reading when we started talking just because I like to do this type of of you know downloads right before I do sharings or things that has to come from the heart and that's exactly what it says you know that we're being asked to honor our growing desire to create conscious and with like-minded people and you know it always talks about the heart inspiration which is always a win-win situation for everybody so here we are here we are so let's start at the top i'm looking at your instagram at louisa florence And it says, journalist and producer, mindful mama and herbalist, health and Hashimoto advocate, what catches my eyes and makes my heart beat. Brazil and California, 
So what is it that you actually do? Well, I think I'm a, I'm many things. My main work is, is a journalist. I, I work as a reporter and a host and I'm a mom, which changed a little bit of the, the logistics of my work. Cause I used to host a travel show. I used to do hard news and now I'm just doing hard news. I'm not doing the travel show anymore just to be able to be a mom. I'm pregnant again. So I'm going to have my second girl in July. And I studied herbalism for four years. And then I did permaculture farming for like three years too. So I try to, you know, integrate everything that I study and that I love into, into my life. But as I said, like my main work nowadays is, is, is still as a journalist and a, a producer, but you know, I host moon ceremonies. I, I literally tap into everything that you just read on my daily basis. So you're an interesting example of someone who continues to live in this outer realm and have this job, do certain things. And at the same time, your spiritual life and how you give back to community by hosting these circles and your connection with earth through your daily rituals, it just is so palpable just through how you share yourself online. How do you find that coherence between those two different realms? First of all, I think it for me, it has to happen just to balance myself. When you're a journalist, especially now, this these days that we're living with the whole pandemic of the coronavirus that is going on, I, I do need that a spiritual side in me. I need that practice to ground myself, you know, to find peace, to literally not go crazy. Um, and I don't know, to not let anxiety take over my body or even when you're just a mom, you know, I don't, maybe if you like, you don't have to be a journalist to be on top of everything that is going on. But the spiritual side is, it's really what carries me with grace and harmony with everything that that I do so I guess I guess that's it I cannot I cannot have that in my life you know without being happy and and, and feeling healthy right what are some practices or maybe tools that you turn to to feel grounded you know gratitude to me is a big practice and I actually I am sharing now like a 30-day challenge and on my Instagram during these crazy times, just to see if I can inspire some people to do the same because it is life changing. So every night I journal, I write three things that I'm grateful for. This is at least one of the practice that I do, but I, I need to do yoga. I need to do some breath work or meditate for five, 10 minutes when I don't have much more time than that. But those are the core of my to go things when I need to ground myself, you know, I'm always burning some incense or some type of resin, which I'm doing right now. And those little rituals to me, those are the the most powerful things that bring me back to my own self, you know. Louisa, when did you connect to that part of yourself? What was growing up like? And at what point did you feel that connection to your spiritual side and to the earth? Wow. So I grew up in Brazil and I moved to the US when I was 23. But, you know, my grandma, my mom's side has a big influence in me because she was a spiritual medium. So I grew up, 
you know, seeing her, not just working with herbs, but lighting candles. I remember like people from all over the neighborhood or the city, because I'm from a small town, would knock at her door just to like, oh, can you light a candle for for whatever reason, she was known for that in the city. So I have that reference of like the power of the prayer because I've seen how many people she has helped just with that. And I remember her like psychographing, like receiving messages when we, we go to like the spiritual center, she received messages too. So I always had that, you know, as part of my of my life when I was growing up. But then, you know, we become a teenager and I actually shut a door for my spiritual side because at some point when I was 14, 15, it started to kind of scare me. And I guess I just like turned my back. But then I moved to the US and as a young adult, you just in a rush to to make your living. You know, I, I moved here by myself and was working and just focused on making it happen as an immigrant in the US. But then I got diagnosed, which is like, everything's going to go back to a loop here in this conversation. I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and it was December of 2009. And for some reason that shook me again. And I guess when you, when you feel like your ground shaking or losing some type of perspective, that's when you kind of go back to God or go back to universe or whatever you want to call it. And that's when I tapped in again into that spiritual side that was just not so sleepy inside of me, you know. And since then, it's it, it just kind of like I woke up a, a dragon, you know. So when you heard that knocking on your door to tap back into that world of spirituality, how did you respond to the call? What did you do? To be honest, at the beginning, I was a little scared because I knew what I was dealing with. You know, I remember, as I said, I remember when I was 14, 15, how much I used to receive. I remember like hearing things. I saw some things too. And that what was scared me. And that's why I was like, I don't want to go there, you know. So I I was a little scared, to be honest with you. Is it that you see like the parallel dimensions or you see future or past or what is it? I'll give you an example. Like I lost my grandpa, right? When I was my dad's dad, when I was 16, 15, 16. And I remember having dreams because I always had really vivid dreams. That one thing that I never stopped doing, even when I moved here, I have a journal and I write things that I dream of often, not every day, but when I wake up with powerful messages. I have a journal that I have to write things because I don't want to forget. But I, I remember like dreaming of him and receiving some messages. I even get like my voice kind of chokes just to think about it and to tell my dad some stuff. And then I actually did. And my dad, it was something that I never heard, but this type of message, not that I, and I remember like just sensing him around me when I was in college or studying especially when I was like in a quiet, darker set. And those are the little things that I remember feeling or seeing, not just with them, but this is just an example. And even with pregnancy too, I remember telling my aunt, like, you're going to get pregnant. I can see it. It's going to be a girl. And that happened to me too. So, you know, this stuff is not like, oh, I see it, uh, whatever, 
a name you want to give a ghost in front of me is not that. But I, I just sense some type of energy. And then when I knew that I had to tap into the force inside of me, because um, I always believed that that's the most powerful thing we have in us, you know, and I was by myself again in the US when I found out that I had this autoimmune disease that I had to, you know, be on a medication for the rest of my life. And so I was like, you know what, I have to put myself together again. And that's, that was the answer for me. There was like, I didn't even think about anything else, but just going back to my, to my prayers and to my meditations and to my, my spiritual practices to find my own way because doctors were not helping me, you know. So what role did turning to that play in your relationship with your health journey and how it unfolded? It's important to say that anything that goes on in our bodies, we're not just bones and and flesh. There's so much more that comes up in us, you know. And I knew that the healing that I that I, I was looking for, because I was looking for an answer for like six years, looking like to, you know, for, I don't know, I didn't know what I have. And I used to go to doctors and we're like, no, everything is fine. All your, your results are, the exams are, are fine, the tests, everything came back normal, but I, I was feeling like crap. So I knew something was wrong. And then the journalism side in me, that's what kind of saved me because I started doing research. And we're talking about almost 11 years now, you know, internet wasn't even near what it is today. And I found myself like so immersed in research that I literally found an answer. And I went to the doctor and I was like, look, I want you to test me for a thyroid disease because I think that's what's going on. So, you know, I knew that I had to be my own advocate and heal myself because like anything else coming at me wasn't really helping. That's when the spirituality and the real healing kind of kicked in, you know. What were some of the practical things that you did to feel better and restore some of that vital energy in your body? Yoga was the first thing. Chanting was the second and again, I was just going back to that, you know, to that place. And I learned so much since then. So what I know now and what I do now is very different than what I used to almost 11 years ago. But I used to write a lot because that was always my my medicine, writing, even crying sometimes, but like moving my body, placing my hand on my throat and praying and visualization, everything. Visualization actually was like, I think was the, the most powerful thing that I did back then. Going back in time right now, I'm, I'm, I'm literally traveling back to those years, you know. Was there a particular method that you followed? Yeah. Since I was a little girl, my mom used to put us in bed and ask us to visualize a little blue dot right on our third eye. I always carry that like physical and, and, and spiritual memory with me. So I remember that. It's funny because, you know, after years, I realized that that ball was like what we call the Kundalini center of energy. And then I was placing that on my throat and just visualizing that ball getting bigger and bigger and brighter and just healing that, you know, that area of my of my body. And it's funny because I'm just going back in time right now and, and realizing, you know, that I didn't even know exactly what I was doing, but I was already doing it. Wow. So 
here's the thing. I'm willing to Joe Dispenza now. And there's uh-huh. so much incredible research going on to alternative modalities of healing through changing your brain wave patterns, through bringing your heart and your brain into coherence. So all the things you're talking about are starting to be scientifically proven. Yet, disclaimer, this is not medical advice. Neither one of us is a doctor. Consult your own doctor and your intuition. And it's fascinating how to step into the zone of completely alternative healing, it requires to leap into the unknown. It requires to trust the unknown and not seek explanations of how exactly it works. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating? Because it's really what we call miracles, right? But it has a scientific base and Joe Dispenza is doing such a good job at like bringing it to the forefront of, you know, and make, at least making it more tangible for, for people, you know? For those who are like have that scientific mind and needs that type of explanation, I think it's just amazing that that's happening. So I don't know very much about Hashimoto's. Is that something that stays with you for life, but you're able to manage it? Or where, where are you at with it right now? So Hashimoto is an autoimmune disease and every autoimmune disease has the same root problem. You know, our bodies produce antibodies and against itself, but the targets are different. And in my case, which is Hashimoto, the targets, my thyroid. So my body produces, you know, whatever, I will say antibodies just to attack my thyroid and then affects how it works. The thyroid is such like a key thing for how your metabolism to work. I I always, when I'm trying to explain to someone who doesn't understand anything about anything, it's almost like you need your brain to work, but you need a remote control for the brain. And that's what the thyroid is. So let's pretend that the that remote control is, you know, not working well. The battery is whatever. The battery is not working. It's missing. And those messages just start to, to get confused. And then your metabolism just crashes in so many ways. And yeah, it goes, you have it for life. Some people catch in such an initial stage that is able to reverse that condition. But in my case, as I said, it took me for like, it took me a long time, almost six years to find out what, what that was. And when I finally found out my thyroid was already compromised. So I do need to be on a medication for the rest of my life, but I can put that disease, that condition into remission, which means that my body stops attacking my thyroid and it doesn't get worse. So you just pretty much put that condition to sleep. That's the the most simple way to explain it. So you mentioned chanting. Is that related to working with a throat chakra? Yeah. Not just the throat chakra, but like when you, the, the frequencies that we, we can chant deliver different type of healings too, you know, and that's why chanting, that's why when, even when, when see like people go to church, but there's some specific type of chantings, especially when Kundalini yoga, that you kind of reach some frequencies that deliver that, that the healing to parts of your body. And yeah, it's powerful stuff. Wow. So at what point of this journey did you start leading circles for other people? One thing kind of brought me the other. I, I was, I, when I study herbalism, I got very much in tune with the moon because 
everything in nature is is in cycles, right? And the moon is the most tangible cycle that we experience and we witness in nature with when we plant stuff, with the seasons, everything. So I got very much in tune with the moon and I start like having this personal ceremonies, you know, understanding what the moon represents in us, in our bodies, especially for women, because we're there's so much water in that we we hold and in our wombs. So it was a beautiful journey that I started having with with the moon. And then my friends, my close friends, one came over and was asking me to share a little bit of everything that I was experiencing, that I was studying, that I was learning. And then the other came over and then it started getting bigger and bigger, but just like by word of mouth. And you now when I saw, I was gathering like 30, 40 friends. And, and that's how it kind of like became a thing in my life, you know? What happens in those ceremonies? Man, so much magic. Everyone is different. Everybody is open to the unknown or to that part of us in, in different ways. But I've seen so many beautiful things happening, like from friends who don't, like, don't believe in anything, don't believe in, in whatever, in, in God or nature or anything, just like falling apart and, and breaking into tears just by experiencing that the spirituality that we all have like if if you want it or not you have that in you but we we meditate we try to tap in into the wisdom of of the universe i guess that's the best way i kind of can say something about it how there's so much more that our eyes can see you know they're guiding us or i don't know just kind of like holding us you know when everything kind of falls apart there's so much more and then we pray and i share some things and i'm very much like because of this whole research with with the body i'm a nerd when it comes to neuroscience so i i share some things that i know about you know that connection in the, of the brain and and the body and the spirituality and I sing and I play some like singing bowls I burn some herbs and sometimes I I share some some type of teas but anything that is hallucinogenic or anything is just like herbal teas and it's awesome to see people learning how to drink tea again you know like how a mint tea can just have a talk with your body, you know? So that's what we do. It's simple, but it's very, very powerful. And I know that people get addicted to it because it's it's our own church, you know, without being a church kind of thing. Right. And so the gift that you have is you're able to create space where people feel safe to explore that magic that's already within them and that they have connection to. I know you have a powerful vision for bringing and sharing your work and your findings and all the research and your personal experience with a lot more people through a new website. Can you talk to us about that? Yes, I do. And I'm very excited because I it's about to be launched soon. And that's how I, you know, that's how I kind of found you with that program. And I wanted to open a new channel. At least I'm going to start with Instagram and it's going to be so can we actually rewind? I know that you have a crazy story where you already had a platform and then 
it shut down, just like your house burnt down. Like, let's talk about all the ashes that happened for the phoenix to rise and then build up to what you're building now. Oh, wow. Let's go back. So I live in Malibu and in November of 2018, we got hit by those crazy fires that pretty much, you know, burnt almost 500 houses here. And my house was one of them. And back then, my daughter was eight months old. So I was already in a very deep journey of, of rediscover. Let's put it that way, because that's the least I can say about motherhood. And then we lost our homes. Um, and I always had that, you know, dream of, because of, at the end of the day, when you're a journalist, that's what you do. You share information to, at least that's my intention. I share information to change people's lives because I, I believe that information is the most powerful tool we have to make change. Doesn't matter if it's like in the world or in, or for us, you know, and I've, I was, you know, deep in research again since I found out what I had. And I was like, you know what? I think I need to. I need to make this bigger. I need to make everything that I know and that I went through available because I know people will relate. You know, that's the main thing when I would talk to people about autoimmune diseases. It's like we go through so much of the same, everybody, even that denial from doctors and the struggle to find out what we have. It's, it's, there's so many common points that I, I always felt inspired to do something about it. But I just didn't know I was busy with, you know, I was busy with life and making, making it like my living, working and working for this big network in Brazil. And then I did have a personal, a big personal account just because of this network. But then when I decided that I needed a break, they pretty much shut down my account because for whatever reasons they said that was linked to the show and so I started all over again. So what was that experience like? Because I think in our culture, in today's world, we tend to put so much meaning. We tend to give so much meaning to having lots of followers on Instagram, having this big platform. And then one day you wake up and it's long, no longer there. Like that must yeah. be a mind boggling situation. How did that impact you? And, you know, in personal experience, I can imagine that it's scary, but it's also liberating because you have a fresh start. Yeah, well, I always had my personal account which was a, a private one. And we were talking like six years ago. And you know more than me where we were six years ago, you know, compared to now. And then I had that public account, which I was the persona for the show and the host and the reporter. And then that one was gone with like, I think back then I was almost with 200,000 followers or something like that. And, you know, at the back then I was like, you know what, this doesn't matter. I'm still going to rebuild, you know, I'm, I, I still have my career. That doesn't mean anything. But, at the, you know, the first reaction we have, of course, is, is like, oh my gosh, part of me is kind of gone, you know, where it was so many people that I used to talk on that account that I don't talk anymore just because we just lost touch, but so many others kind of like migrated even to my, to my Facebook more to more than to my Instagram, because I kept it private for quite some time. But besides that private account, I always wanted to create an account that was just focused on that type of research 
and the help that I could give to those people that were or are about to be on the same place that I've been, you know, one day. And that's when the conscious social media program tapped in and, you know, all this rediscover and the rebuild from the fire that I kind of gather forces to reinvent myself in a way. It's kind of coming together. It's coming along. So what were some ideas about social media or building a platform that you've seen yourself let go of, whether that was within the program or beyond it? Well, when I started the program, I shared that with with everybody who were part of it, but I was kind of skeptical. I'll share this really quick because you remember I was like, you know, Ksenia, I... You know, I don't know if I enjoy like being on social media anymore just because I interviewed a guy who, Carl Newport, I'll give him his name, <laughs> that wrote a book about social media and kind of turned me off when it, when I started understanding all the, the programming that goes behind it, right? And I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm just falling into this black hole where everybody's falling into it and I don't want to be part of it. But being a journalist, I know that Instagram and social media today is the most powerful communication channel that we have to reach people, you know, and then I couldn't, I couldn't turn my back to it just because of what I love to do, which is communicate. And if I wanted to launch something that I wanted to reach people and to help people, I needed to make peace with that tool again. And that's when the conscious social media program came in, you know, and changed my perspective and even kind of like open that curtain again. It's like, look, you already have that is spirituality in you. So just transfer that into this, you know, it's all the same thing. What I'm doing right now and what we're doing right now, like we're just transferring like what I hold in my heart and it's going through internet and people are hopefully feeling it, you know, and that was like the game changer for me, just understanding and just like bringing that type of awareness that, you know, that intention is, can be put into social media too and can become a conscious thing. And, and that's, that was liberating. And that was amazing to realize that it could be just an extension of our hearts, you know? I love that so much because yeah, I'm so with you. Social media is such a neutral tool and so on. It's all about how we use it and what we bring to it. And I think now more than ever, we're being invited to be conscious about what we consume, about what we put out there. And mm -hmm. the thing that I'm personally thinking about is a lot of the times I underestimate how awake people in my community are. And I tend to simplify what I post. So my new vision for how I share is to actually speak at the level that I'm thinking at and the level that I'm experiencing at and not think that my audience will think I'm too spiritual or I'm too crazy or I've just lost it. You know, like speaking yeah. our truth is something I think we're all called to step into in a bigger way than ever before. Yeah. And it, I've been following you for some time and, and I see that, that transformation too. And part of the program, you just remind us how, you know, like don't underestimate what you're saying because some people you know, they can be in a different place and they can completely gain so much with what we have to share. And that's what you're, you're just saying right now, you know, just don't, I don't know, give less, just give what you have. 
you know. Right. In a way that feels aligned. Something that I keep thinking about is I think a lot of people are stopped from sharing what they truly are passionate about and want to add value to is because they look at others and they think it needs to be done a certain way. There's like a certain should of following a template or a formula. But what I'm seeing more and more in this new paradigm that we talk a lot about in the podcast is that the more you break the rules and the more you do what feels good for you, the more happy you will be and the more self-expressed you will be. And those who are meant to receive what you're sharing, they will, whether you have one follower or 10,000 followers. It's like the divine timing has to collide with aligned heart and the right space, you know? There's a lot of like, oh, let me do the same thing kind of people out there. It's very inspiring to see how this wave of, of inspiration is taking over as well. You know, for a long time, again, I, I think I, I was just sitting as a witness and kind of like studying the movement, you know, and it was like, oh, oh my gosh, should I be part of it? Should I not be part of it? Because that's when I kind of decided to, to, you know, join the program. And it's amazing to see again, like how this, like this new paradigm is, is taking over and infecting other people to join them too, you know, to join us because I guess we're on the other side of the river. I think it, it's going to get bigger and bigger. And I think what we're going through right now, it's a big wake up call too for consciousness. And even some people that I know that are more like close to that intuitive aspect of our lives are kind of like waking up in a way. So I guess there's no way back. I hope it's going to get bigger and bigger. And I'm, I'm really grateful and, and, and happy to join that movement in the, like holding that space in my heart instead of just like, oh, let me just do this just because that's how everybody is doing it. Like the selfie movement kind of thing, you know, and just be on the other side. So speaking of taking that step and that leap of being on the other side, you were silent on social media for a while. You took that break and then you came back. And I remember you sharing with me how blown away you were with how people responded and how it just felt to really put yourself out there and to be seen. Because I think a lot of people tend to hold back all the real and raw and powerful stuff that's happening because they're just not even sure where to begin or how to put themselves out there and if it's going to resonate and if it's going to feel too vulnerable. So what was your experience with that comeback after taking a break? I guess I never had a problem being vulnerable, you know, in front of the world kind of thing. I don't even know how to to put in words, to be honest. It was just such like, I remember when I was writing that post and I needed to write something about it just to explain my feelings towards social media. And it was such a big relief. And I got so many messages. I got so many DMs and comments from my friends, even like now that they're not over there on that specific post. But people, when they see me, they talk about it like, oh my gosh, well, even like, you know, I was kind of thinking not being part of social media too. And it was such like a, a refresh perspective, but it's not an easy, it's an exercise and it's being an exercise for me too, to, you know, just to share what we want to share, to write something that has meaning. So I don't know, for me, it was just first kick of into a new exercise, I should say, you know, because I love, I love photographs, but I just, 
I just wanted to create a new, it was a kickstart to a new exercise, to a new ritual to me. I love that. So knowing that and having this new energetic relationship with social media, what is your vision for how you want to show up in the world and what role is social media going to play in it? Well, I'm launching, as I said, I'm launching the new the new account, but it's just going to be in Portuguese for the, the Hashimoto project. And I think, you know, my main focus is to create a community the same way that I, that you so beautifully said that I kind of like make space for people to feel safe and to share. And I think that's what I want to do with that account because that's my, it's going to be my focus pretty much on social media. You know, I want to make a, create a community for people to feel like they, they can be seen and heard and understood and even share experiences and learn with each other, hold hands. I'm going to share like basic stuff that I know from, and again, I'm not playing that underestimate game that you said that it was so like we used to do. Like I'm going to talk as I want to talk from like big studies, big researches that I know, conversations with people and professionals that I admire and that helped me throughout my journey with Hashimoto and my healing. So it's pretty much like creating that virtual space so we can be better together. I guess that's it. And how can everyone, if someone does speak Portuguese, or maybe one day we'll get translated into English, how can people find <laughs> that new project? Well, I'm going to post that project on my personal account. And then, I'm, of course, it's going to be linked to the to the new account. But the name is Meu Amigo Hashimoto, which means my friend Hashimoto. And that's going to be the handle for the account. So if, if someone out there speaks Portuguese and is part of this audience right now, uh, that's where I'm going to be. That's where my heart will be for forever, hopefully. Awesome. I have two questions that I kind of filed in the back of my head along the conversation. So they're going to be random to what we just spoke about, but they tie into what we spoke about before. So the first one is you mentioned permaculture and I got so curious, what was your involvement involvement with permaculture? And was that how you met your husband who also is in the food business? No, 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 no. What do you want me to tap into first? Let's start permaculture because it keeps coming up in my world. And I feel like connecting with earth through understanding how we eat and how nature around us works is yeah. more and more and more becoming this embodied way of being connected to spirituality. So I'm curious how you are in that world. Yeah, that's the, the true healing, I guess, of, of the earth and diseases and everything. Everything is so tied into what we eat, you know, so Permaculture and biodynamic farming, which is what I study pretty much, it studies the, the natural rhythms of nature and how that ties into the practice of farming. So you understand from how the soil gets like formed to the rhythm of, you know, the four seasons and, and the moon and the sun. It's almost like this whole, you study the whole picture, not just like, oh, you plant something and you just wait it for it to grow, right? You really understand not just the chemistry of everything, but also the rhythm of how nature works and how that influences what we plant and what we harvest. That's in a nutshell what biodynamic and permaculture farming is. And what was your involvement with it? Did you actually have your hands on gardening? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, we plant, <laughs> you, you have to, you know, it's almost like you're almost a kid again in kindergarten, just like, oh my gosh, the carrots growing kind of thing. You know, you just really see the step by step and you pretty much have your hands on manure, just making healthy soil to see the difference between just like a rich soil, like versus a very stale and whatever soil. Do you still grow things? Oh, yeah, I do. What do you grow? So before the fire, I had big, like three big greenhouses. And I had one was just for veggies and other was just for for herbs when I, you know, for basil and mint and all this type of like seasonings. Um, And then since the fire, which is not so long ago, it's a year, a year and something, we moved to this new place and I just had an open box pretty much. And the easiest thing you can grow that are like hardy are herbs, right? So rosemary, mint, basil, parsley, things that I really use on my kitchen every day. And some other like seasonal veggies, you know, artichokes and tomatoes and stuff like that. And I'm really excited because I just messed up that box because there was not much I could do without the rabbits and the crows attacking it. And that's one thing too. You cannot get mad at them for that, (laughs) but you can, you know, just do your part. So I'm looking forward to planting more stuff now at the, at the house. We need a tour of your garden on Instagram, please. (laughs) Okay. This one is just one box, but I, I I have big dreams. I'm going to start with the, as as soon as we've rebuilt our house, I'm going to have the garden again. And, you know, I gave some gardening classes to some friends and hopefully I'll, I'll start doing that again too. Cause it's, it's the best thing you can do. It's such a therapy. It's such like a good, I don't know, just, and, and again, I can go on and on about it, even with like, you know, scientific studies on how, like working with dirt and the earth just releases so much positive things in your brain. So yeah, I think it, everybody should at least know how to plant a couple of things and have that relationship and bring into the kitchen, you know, cause it's, it's refreshing. It's so good. It's so satisfying to eat something you grew. We started a garden when we bought tiny cabin about a year ago and it was my first time gardening myself, not with my mom making me do it. And it's just such a satisfying feeling. And you're right, being in quarantine right now, just touching the earth is what I probably miss the most. And through that, I'm actually gaining like a whole new level of appreciation of nature and Mother Earth. This leads me to the final question. So let's start there. Because there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who, like myself and you, are immigrants, let's start with what brought you to the US and then we'll move on to the husband. Okay. Yeah. Because he made me stay. He didn't bring me here, but he made me stay. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was working a, a teen web magazine in Brazil, like 17 in Brazil. And in 2006, they were looking for like, you know, to expand the culture and start talking about more international stuff. Because that's when kind of like the world was expanding in a way. And I had my uncle and my aunt living in Los Angeles. And I went to New York first for two months and didn't really work. And then I came to LA, but it was for work. So I came here as a journalist to cover the American market for this teen magazine in Brazil. And I was, and then tying up with the husband, I was working, I was covering a show, a Brazilian band was playing 
for the first time in in the U.S. And I went touring with them for to write a, a, a profile story for Rolling Stone. For Rolling Stone? That sounds like a movie plot. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was I was writing, you know, for quite some from vehicles in, in Brazil. And then when I was in that concert, it's a it's a reggae, it's a Brazilian reggae band. And I remember I was here for like two months and I had no idea that we had acai in the United States. And I was like, oh my gosh, because they were serving acai in that concert. And I decided to go check it out. And I started talking to this guy. I was like, I didn't know you guys had acai in the US. And ends up that my husband and his brother were the ones who started bringing acai to the United States in 2000. And then we talked and we talked and we talked. And back then I was still dating my boyfriend that I left behind in Brazil. So nothing happened, but we kind of, you know, we saw each other in some other places because he was always into the Brazilian culture. And I always, <laughs> I joke around that he always liked Brazilian girls too. And we just kept in touch. And, but we started dating just eight years at, later. Wow. Yeah. So I always, you know, I believe that, you know, our story was just like getting aligned up there. But that's how we met. We met at this Brazilian reggae concert in Hollywood. <laughs> wow. So I'm curious, yeah. did you originally find me through Asai or, or was it something else? Because actually, when I looked at my emails, we have emailed many years back talking about Asai. Did you know that? You and me? Yes. No way. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember, of course, I do remember Breakfast Criminals because of Sambazon and, and, and the acai business. Those were the years where Breakfast Criminals didn't have a face and you were the face. And I didn't know like Senia was Breakfast Criminals, you know what I mean? And I do remember that. And then for a while, you know, I can't remember which year, but Sambazon hired me to do this series of... A hundred starts with one campaign. Exactly. Exactly. For that campaign. And I, you know, I was writing the stories behind the posts and I was even like creating the, you know, the posts and curating everything. And then I guess we, we yeah, we talked back then and I can't, I can't remember how we went, but I remember that um, I, that was the only time actually I, I worked for, for Sambazon with that inspirational campaign that I helped them doing. But yeah, but that I used to follow you because of Breakfast Criminals, but then everything kind of tied up when, you know, you created the other accounts. So I guess, and now we're here. That's so funny. So the last thing I want to bring into the conversation for now, at least, is Asai played such a huge role in my life in giving me the courage to start Breakfast Criminals, to start sharing about things which I was caring about the most, which is morning rituals and nourishment on a physical and energetic level. And after I had acai for the first time in Hawaii, there was just no going back. And I ended up going to Brazil and seeing how it grows. And it was really at the heart of a lot of the things I did for many years. Uh -huh. For you growing up in Brazil, I know there's different parts of Brazil and some of them, it's like a staple and part of a culture and you grew up immersed in it and having it for every meal. But there's other parts of Brazil that I've gone to where people are like, what? Acai. So for you growing up, was it part of your life? No, that's the funny thing. When when I moved here, which was 2006, I guess they started bringing acai to the US. It was 2000. 
right? And that's when really acai started getting bigger, even in Brazil. Brazil is a big country. And there's lots of like sub countries inside Brazil too. You know, Northeast is very different from Southeast with central Brazil from the South, from like even dialects and, you know, and even food, stuff that they eat in the Northeast is very different. But now everything is much more global, right? Because of internet and, and whatever, social media too. But I guess that's when... Acai started getting bigger even in the southeast, which is where I'm from. And that's why I was like, when I moved here, I was like, oh my gosh, they have acai in the US? You know, it was such like a question mark for me. (laughs) So no, it wasn't part of my eating habit growing up at all. So now when you eat acai, how do you make it? Oh my gosh, so many ways. I love to create stuff with acai, especially because of Ella, my daughter now, you know. And for her, having like ice cream for breakfast is, I guess, is a dream, right? For every kid <laughs> in a way. Uh, but I, I blend in smoothies. I make the, the traditional bowl, but then I kind of mix with stuff. Now my my last trend here at the house, I make some probiotic coconut yogurt and I blend with acai. So the bowl is probiotic too. You know, it's and it's really yummy. And I think I got, I gave some idea to the business too. So let's see. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing your tutorial of how to make coconut yogurt at home. It looks so incredible. I can only imagine how good it tastes with acai. It's so easy. And it, and then it becomes an acai yogurt too, you know. So. Right. So if you guys haven't picked up yet, Louisa is a complete goddess in so many things. And I just discovered so many facets of you that I didn't even know about. So I'm grateful for us connecting, for social media connecting us, for Asai connecting us, and for everything that you're about to create and share in a bigger way than you ever have, because it really will serve a lot of people. Yeah. Well, thanks to you, too, for that turnaround. You know, I'm forever grateful for what not just social media is now and the powerful the, the power that it has, but for connecting so so many people and like-minded people like you and me. And yeah, so thank you. So is there anything, Louisa, I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? Oh my gosh, we shared so many things. I don't know. I think there's a, a big concept that I, I've been sharing right now, especially with what we're going through. It's the idea of like voting with with our dollar, you know, because we all want a, bit, a better world, you know, and everything ties up with the the, the farming and the, the, the culture that we live right now. And sometimes people just need to listen to this idea just because of like, when you go to the market, when you buy something, you're just pretty much inspiring and giving money to that brand or for that people who does business in some ways. And just bring awareness to to those little, you know, investments in your life, because that's really when we see big changes. And I see like, you know, communities in Sri Lanka where they get their teas and all these brands, you know, that's the most political act we can have in our lives is like seeing how we invest our money every day. So if there's one thing that I I think that I feel very inspired lately to talk about is this and here we go. That's it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's so crazy how it brings everything full circle because in 2000. 12, I think I ran a campaign called Fair Tuesday that was all about inspiring people to shop consciously and support brands that support the earth and communities. And I included Sambazon in one of them. 
Yes. And Samazon <laughs> actually like shared it, like created a beautiful graphic. So full circle, beautiful. Yep. Thank you so much, Louisa. And I'll talk to you whenever we're meant to connect again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me once again. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.